Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Podcast Radio. If it's in business, it's Business Soup. Your host is the incomparable John Debevoise. John's going to be talking with Dan Nicholson, CEO of Nth Degree CPAs, a group of non-conventional accountants that say having more is not always the answer to everything. Dan combines a razor-sharp finance background with entrepreneurial zing that produces an original and extremely valuable strategy to businesses that want a structured and creative approach to their operations and business growth. Dan isn't your typical CPA. He's more like your personal life coach. The more you listen, the more you want to hear. So pull up a chair and sit on down. Biz Soup is about to be served. Dan, welcome to this serving of Business Soup. Thanks for having me on. I love talking numbers, and you're a numbers guy, and you've always been stricken with the curiosity fever as well as an entrepreneur. You combine your love for numbers with entrepreneurship and getting involved with businesses. What is it that if I call you up and say, Dan, what can you do for me? What can you do for me as a business owner? Well, there's the strategy side and the tactical side. If we're just talking tactics, what I do for folks is tax and accounting stuff. But strategically, what I do is help people achieve financial certainty. And in the last 20 years that I've spent in business and working with all shapes and sizes of businesses from the one-person shop to the Fortune One companies, there's sort of the same essential question people are asking themselves, which is, am I going to be okay? And it's hard to relate to maybe the billionaire who's asking that question, but as they make more, they spend more, they raise, their lifestyle goes up. And uh, so at the end of the day, what people want to know is, am I going to be okay? So what I do is help people reduce their financial anxiety. And uh, part of the way they do that is through tax strategies, financial strategies. But ultimately, it's about helping people get closer to the things that they want. Well, you have been an entrepreneur. And one of the things that you are well known for is you're mitigating risk. What are some of the risks that you deal with from your side of the table that a small business owner would be calling you about I have this problem. What is that problem that you would be handling for me? The biggest risk that business owners face is that they take actions that unknowingly get them further away from the things that they want. Uh, And it happens more times than not. And part of the challenge is that most business owners are trying to apply Fortune 500 strategies or kind of conventional finance strategies to a small business. And conventional financial strategies for the Fortune 500 companies are all about maximizing shareholder value. It's not about what the individual shareholders want. When you're a small business owner, the business exists to serve you, in my opinion. You're taking all all that risk. And so we need to make sure that every action gets us closer to the things that we want. So I usually say closer is greater than more. We think more is the answer to everything, but sometimes in the search of more, we get further away. And so I see that uh, there's something that I've, I've tracked over the last 10 years. I call it the highest month paradigm. When a business owner hits their highest month of revenue and it represents a milestone for them, say they've been trying to get to seven figures or eight figures and they hit this milestone. In the three months that follow, they add the most amount of fixed cost to their business because there's this whole idea of I got to scale or I've got to maintain where I'm at. 
And so the most concern with my clients when they hit their highest revenue month, that's when their business typically has the most amount of risk based off the behaviors that they're going to enter into over the coming months. So that's when I go out and I get that new sports car that I've always wanted because I've hit that milestone and now I've just picked up assets or things that are going to cost me money. They're depreciating assets, which I've never understood that term. So as you mentioned, the more you make, the more you spend. And I've seen that all the time. People will drive the economy cars, but as soon as they get up into a higher income level, they will go out and they'll get the SUV that gets the 12 miles to the gallon because they now can afford it. So you're going to protect me from myself when I hit my goal. That's not very friendly. What are you going to tell me to do? Don't go out and buy that car? Well, it all starts with what I call your profit priorities, which are what are the things that you want to fund? And everybody from my research, and I've had somewhere north of 3,000 unique calls with business owners, individual business owners, high net worth folks over the last decade. And from those calls and my own research found that everyone comes with these three core priorities, pay off debt, fund reserves, fund retirement, or for most entrepreneurs, they'll say, the amount of money I need where I don't have to work. Doesn't mean they won't. So we have core priorities. And then we have what I call preference-based priorities, the things that are unique to you. So I have two daughters. I want to be able to help them out with college, maybe a wedding. Maybe I want to get a vacation home, car, boat, whatever that may be. Uh, Those are unique to me. So the combination of our core priorities and our preference-based priorities is our unique definition of wealth. So when someone calls me and they say, hey, I want to buy this car, I go back to their profit priorities and this idea of every action needs to get you closer to the things that you want. Where does the car fit in in your list of priorities? If it was number 10, is now really the time. So if we bring it back to their priorities, their definition of wealth, and the order that they have listed things, then we take what was this sort of nebulous thing, can I buy a car or not, and brings it back to kind of their formula for wealth and what they want, and it becomes a little bit clearer on, is this the right time to buy the cars? Does it fit into the sequence of my overall picture? So you're talking about not just, I pick up the phone and say, hey, Dan, what's going on? You're talking about creating a plan. It's like taking the business plan and then breaking it down into priorities as to, you're becoming my coach, my counselor for my business and and keeping me on track when I hit a number and then my eyes start rolling around or members of my family's eyes start spinning like slot machines and they say, oh, dad, go out and buy that boat. I can tell you, if you got two girls, they're going to like that boat that you get. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Everybody loves the kids with a swimming pool and a boat. (laughs) Uh, that, That is definitely true. Well, what I realized was that if you call and you talk to 10 different advisors, you might get 10 different answers. Certainly. That's problematic because how as a business owner, do you sort through that? You got 10 different answers to one problem or you get, I don't know, what do you want to do? Which is also not particularly helpful if you call your advisor and they say, I don't know, what do you want to do? And so what I did was I built an operating system. How do I make sure that I'm giving the same answer to every client? And how do I make sure my team is giving the same answer if I'm not in the room with them? So I built an operating system and any operating system has to have a set of assumptions. So I have what I call the four commandments of financial certainty. One of them is every business decision is a financial decision. And then almost every business decision is a preference-based decision, which is why you can get so many different responses to things. And so for me to be able to advise clients, it's not just about being their coach. It's about actually having a framework that I can go back to and go, okay, this question that you're asking me is a preference. 
what's right for you isn't necessarily right for another person. And so I have to actually know what your priorities are for me to be able to give you the right answer. All right. So you're looking at being able to set up the plan that is going to be the plan for success. I just don't walk into your office with a shoebox full of receipts and say, call me when you're done. You're talking about putting together a plan that will prioritize those things that will help me grow my business, which will allow me to support my family and buy the boats and the houses and all of those things, as opposed to responding to impulse, responding to necessity. And with each dollar should generate generally three dollars in revenue. And then you back out from that your all of your expenses and such and then reinvest in the business. So you're helping me as a coach. Yeah, to a degree I am because every business decision is a financial decision. So I can't give you a tax strategy without actually thinking about and understanding your business and your priorities. I'll tell you an anecdote. I had a friend, uh, they weren't a client of ours at the time. Uh, They are now, but about 10 years ago, they ran a really successful ad agency in Seattle and they got near the end of the year and their CPA said, hey, you've got a huge tax bill. So you should accelerate tax deductions and make a bunch of charitable contributions. So they're super generous in general, made a ton of charitable contributions. In January, they had to lay people off for about 45 days because they didn't have enough cash (laughs) to make payroll because they spent so much getting their tax liability down. So the point being, I can't separate from my perspective, I can't separate what's going to be the best tax thing from what's going to be the best thing from your business in my opinion. Otherwise, I'm getting you further away from what you want. That strategy of going out and spending all that money to save money is, I've heard that before, I've seen it, and I'm pretty sure I've done that. But that's been in the past. And then I got into the tax strategies of understanding how to use the tax code. I don't know the tax code. I just know how to use the tax code and the importance of keeping records. As you know, the IRS, they can't prosecute you for being a bad business owner, but they can persecute you for being a bad record keeper. So true. You came up with something called the Certainty App. Tell us about what does that mean and how does it work? Back to kind of the essential question that I hear from every client is at the end of the day, they're asking, am I going to be okay? Am I going to run out of money? Am I going to be able to achieve my goals? That to me is underneath every question that they're asking. And so I heard this neat equation a couple of years ago that said anxiety equals uncertainty times powerlessness. And it struck me because I had been for years trying to quantify this idea of financial uncertainty. And so I took that equation and I just added financial and I said, okay, financial anxiety equals financial uncertainty times financial powerlessness. So if I want to lower a client's financial anxiety, basically that sort of looming question of, am I going to be okay? Then I need to increase their certainty and increase the power they have over their finances. And so I started to explore that more and how can I deconstruct that? And that's where I came up with this operating system and this idea that we need to start with your profit priorities, your core priorities and your preference-based priorities. So part of what the app does is on the individual side, you go in, you log in your core priorities and your preference-based priorities. You take each of them and you put a dollar value and a date to it. When do I want to fund this priority? And we pull in your assets and your liabilities and what it does is it, it calculates the gap between what you have now and what you want. In other words, how much more do you actually need to make to be able to fund all of these priorities? People just assume that they need to keep making more, but 
In fact, oftentimes what I see is that if they just kept making the same, they would be able to reach all of their priorities in the way that they define them. When that's the case, you want to lower your risk. We want to make sure that money is going to come in no matter what. So we assume more is always the answer. So the tool helps you quantify what's the gap between where you're at and where you want to be. Gives you an actual dollar amount of how much you need to be making each year to hit all of these objectives. And then from there, we have some various tools that basically tell you what the overall risk is for your business. I call it readiness, but how ready are you to take on something new? So it's sort of like I wear this aura ring that tracks my sleep and each morning I open it and I look and it tells me how ready I am to take on the day. It's the same kind of concept of telling you how ready your business is to take on something new. And based off that score, the risk that you have in your business dictates what you should be focusing on from a financial perspective. And this is called the Certainty App. Certainty App, yep. Folks, for any more information about what we're talking about here with Dan Nicholson from the Nth Degree CPAs and the Certainty App, go where all businesses go, bizsoup.com, where business comes for business. And you'll find not only the transcript, but the show, but any ways that you wish to get a hold of Dan, well, Business Soup is where everybody comes together in business. So, Dan, on strategies, if I walk through the door and I have this great idea for being, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, and I say, but I don't know what I'm doing. I have this great idea and I want to launch it and I come to you, what are, say, the top three things that you would have me do before I walk out of your office plan in hand? First would be to define those profit priorities and find out your current position. So my process, I call it the case framework, compile, analyze, strategize, execute. Entrepreneurs are really good at strategizing or really good at executing, but they don't typically do that initial get the data and analyze it. It's sort of like asking Google Maps for directions, but not telling it the correct current location, right? So you get, you get directions, but they're probably not correct because you didn't tell it your current position. So I want to know your profit priorities. What's the gap right now? Because the business needs to exist to serve you, get you closer to the things that you want. Then I want to understand your style in business. So I want to have you fill out, a, do the Colby A index, I've got some other exercises because I want to know what your tendencies are. How much risk are you going to take on? Uh, where are you going to blow yourself up? Then we're going to look at, is this opportunity an asymmetric bet? So one of my four wealth commandments is that we need to make bets that are asymmetric to the upside, meaning that the upside is substantially greater than the downside. And I can tell you most business owners make bets where the downside is greater than the upside or the downside is equal to the upside. Meaning I'm going to make this bet and I'm either going to make a hundred grand or I'm going to be homeless. Well, I'd argue being homeless, <laughs> much worse than making a hundred grand, or I'm going to make this dollar bet to get $2 back. If you study the great entrepreneurs, they're making bets where the potential opportunity is 50 or a hundred times what they're putting in, what they're investing. So I have this whole framework, I call it the four lenses, where I help people uh, take their idea and dissect it to determine whether it's truly going to be an asymmetric bet. And through that, I'm going to help them hedge the downside risk. Basically, rig the game to win. Let's make sure that all potential outcomes we're okay with. The worst case scenario outcome might not be great, but it's not going to blow us up. Well, and we don't want to blow ourselves up. God gives us this perfect body for the most part when we're born, and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to blow it up with our decisions. <laughs> Talking with Dan Nicholson from the Nth Degree CPAs. I like to talk about empowering my children. My kids have come and gone, and they're off on their own doing very well. 
But if you've got a child, as so many people do, and they are sitting in the living room doing self-education or they're at home driving parents crazy, what are some of the things that you might tell my audience, let's put them to work? What kind of jobs would I be looking at and how could I write them off as they're sitting there in the living room, they're playing with their thumbs? What can I do to create a business within the household that I can start writing them off, maybe taking their skill sets and turning them into digital artists or landscape maintenance, depending upon the IQ? It's a really good question because there's a number of tax advantages for paying your kids. One, you get the write-off. Two, if you pay them under the current tax code, 12000 or less, it's going to be tax-free to them. Three, if they have earned income, then they can contribute to things like Roth IRAs. So there's numerous advantages to paying your kids. The criteria is that it has to be, quote-unquote, meaningful work. So meaningful work is relative to the business. So meaningful work could be grabbing a pitchfork. You shared with me uh, before we got rolling uh, how that was the case maybe for your son and uh, one of your business endeavors. For some of my clients, their kids are a model. So maybe they're taking pictures for their Instagram, for their business, pictures of their kids as part of their website. Or they're doing YouTube videos, the ubiquitous YouTube videos, and they're making more money than me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. It's staggering sometimes when you see what uh, some of these kids are doing with YouTube. So yeah, they could be doing uh, some social media stuff, video creation. They could be doing some paperwork, coming and organizing your office. My kids come into my office all the time and organize some things, put some files away. Well, hopefully they put it in places where you can find them once again. (laughs) Right. Yep. No, it does require some supervision depending on their age. (laughs) Scanning, mailing. We did something earlier, end of last year, where we gave an incentive uh, to clients to uh, sign their end of year proposals for next year's tax preparation. And we basically said, if you sign by a certain date, we're going to send you a gift card of your choice. And so had them hand write up thank you cards and uh, which they had a good time with and stuffing the envelopes. So just an example, it can be a whole range of things as long as it's quote unquote meaningful. It depends on what their job task is, depending upon their age, where they could, their job could be at a young age, putting stamps on envelopes. Yep, absolutely. And then they can grow into picking up a pitchfork and going outside and working the ranch, as in my case. So, yep, so true. Yeah, I mean, I think about it like this if you would hire some, potentially hire someone else to do the, the job for you, then it would be reasonable to hire your kid. And of course, as I've talked about so often, it's like taking money out of your left pocket, which is taxable, and putting it over in the right pocket, which is non-taxable, where you give it to your child as a wage, and then you pay their expenses that they incur. It could be their private education or anything that is related to their existence. You pay or they pay through their own bank accounts knowingly, or in the case of my kids, they didn't even know they were getting paid. Right. They just knew they had a job. And if they wanted the right to live, they had to do their job. (laughs) So we're talking about how to maximize tax deductions by utilizing your kids as employees. How long can I carry that on? At what age do they become something other than a child employee? You could continue that on till 18 years of age, really, and pay them the $12,000 per year under the current tax code and that's, again, going to be a tax deduction to you and a not taxable to them. 
Well, and, and, and if they're off into college and I still continue to pay them a salary, but college is not 12000 it's more like 40000 If I up their salary and pay their college tuition, as long as they're doing a function that is a pay, something that I would be hiring out, could I manage to write off their college tuition as well? Indirectly. Yeah, yeah, if you were to pay them a wage and then they were to use that wage to pay their college tuition, then you would have a write-off. They may have some taxable income as a consequence of that, but... It's going to be lower than what I'm getting taxed at. That's right. So on a comparative basis, your tax rate compared to theirs, there's a net savings from that. Now, we're not giving tax advice over the radio or over the podcast here. Obviously, go to your tax person, and if you'd like more information on what we're talking about from the nth degree, well, go to BizSoup, where Dan Nicholson, you can pick up some information about Dan as well as get in touch with him through Business Soup. He is not your typical CPA. If you'd like more information, go to BizSoup. We'll put you in touch with him. Dan, I, there's so many numbers that I can go through with you. But we're going to have to invite you off for another visit here on Business Soup and serve out some other numbers when it comes to tax savings. And we can share what it means to be rigging the game on your show that's available out there wherever podcasts are available. It's called Rigging the Game. So, Dan, thanks for being on this serving of Business Soup. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.